Hello, I'm Rin Ferguson, and you are listening to the Conclusion of the Matter podcast. I'm joined, of course, with our co-host, Ryan Weaver. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14, Let us hear the conclusion of the matter, fear God, and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. I'm so thankful that you have joined us here today. Uh, This is the first of a couple of lessons that we're going to be doing on some uh, requested topics that we have received. Um, And what this particular one is, in fact, we're probably going to do a couple of different lessons on this particular one just because it is such an important topic and theme, and that, of course, is baptism. We were asked to do a lesson on this, and as we were discussing it, we realized it would probably be best for us to split this up so that we can discuss everything that needs to be discussed uh, while we are looking at this. And so we'll go ahead and get into it. Uh, Ryan, what do you think about whenever somebody asks you what baptism is? Well, um, I think about what it means in the Bible, I guess, because you can go to certain religious organizations, not not calling out anyone here, but they have different definitions of mm-hmm. what baptism means. And when we look at the Bible or look at the context of what baptism, that's where we should get our answer. So it doesn't really what do I think about it? What what does the what does the scripture tell us? What can we glean from it, right? Um, so when I think about baptism, it comes from the word baptizo, or baptize comes from baptizo. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing I found out when I was studying this is, and, and if you stop and think about it, it makes sense, is it wasn't really translated. It was transliterated. Because if you look at certain Greek words that were translated, and I don't remember the one for sing, but they actually translated it to the verb sing, right? right? But here, all they did was kind of anglicize a word and make it baptize. Right. And they didn't really transfer the meaning with it. Mm-hmm. So we have to go back and kind of look at what did that word mean at that time. Right. Uh, yeah, I was, whenever I was making notes on this, I was looking up some different statistics on this particular word, how many times it is used. Of course, there are, there's really more times than what I'm about to say, because there are times in Scripture where the Greek word is translated as washed or something to that extent, where it's not necessarily talking about like what you and I would talk about as baptism. And of course, there are times where even in some of these that I'm about to name, where they're not talking about necessarily the baptism with which we are baptized today. But I still think it's interesting because I think it highlights the emphasis that the scriptures place on baptism. And so just to give you a few little statistics the word specifically the word baptism is used 22 times in the new testament uh the word baptized which again that can be talking about john's baptism could be talking about uh being baptized into christ things of that nature that particular version of the word is used 61 times and then the word baptize just by itself is used nine times uh, so a total of what I have here, 92 times in the New Testament that it's used. And again, that's just with those three words. You, If you added in wash, things of that nature, I think it would bump it up. I saw somewhere 
like 111 times okay. that Greek word <clears throat> is used. Uh, but again, I think that's just an interesting point because to me it really highlights, again, that emphasis that is placed on that particular topic because there's a lot of people, as you mentioned, that don't really put an emphasis on on baptism. Right, and I think that if you look at the, <clears throat> going back to the original meaning of the word, uh, Thayer lists baptizo as immerse, dip, plunge beneath or submerge. And you get the idea of going fully underwater, whereas mm-hmm. some people cover the, you know, well, it can be any mechanism as long as water is involved. And I and I say, well, show me where that mm-hmm. is, you know. And I think that it was introduced, I think I read 251 A.D., a novation wanted to be baptized, but he was really ill, and they decided it wouldn't be wise to immerse right. someone in his condition. So they ad- adapted which adapting on God's yes. plan is not always a great idea. And, well, and it didn't. A great idea, and, and I think it was 1300 before it even became remotely a common a, practice. A, a common practice. Yeah. And along that way, there was a lot of disputes if you really want to look at history. Um, I found a couple of uh, secular writings, and, and this is just to show the word mm, usage. Right. Um, one of them is from Josephus Antiquities, Book 15. And he's talking about the murder of a high priest, a young high priest. And it uses the word baptizontes in it, but that word has been translated to immersing in this case. And it says, constantly pressing down and immersing him while swimming as if in sport, they did not desist till they had entirely suffocated him. They were trying to drown the the high, the, the wow. young high priest for whatever reason by the, it was said by the command of King Herod. Right. But anyway, that had been translated to immerse, which going back to our original comment was, it probably would have been better translated rather than yeah. just carried over, real, right? Yeah. yeah, to carry the real meaning over, right? And that's a that's an interesting point, and I I don't fully understand the reasoning behind the translators of the Bible not doing that, but the translators of what was that Josephus? That was Josephus, Josephus that yeah, wrote that. Yeah, I don't understand why they would translate it immersion, which. I guess if they were trying to drown the guy, that yeah. makes sense. Well, and another one I found was uh, it was uh, Achilles Tatius, and he's a second century Greek author. And this came from a book he wrote called The Story of Cliptophon and Lucepi, um, believed to be written around 120 to 150 AD. So not long after, you know, John yeah. would have passed away. And it says, We all therefore shift, and they're talking about a boat that's sinking. And says, we all therefore shifted our position to the more elevated part of the ship in order that we might lighten that part of the ship that was already immersed. And it was baptismenon. I'm probably not saying that right. But the point was, they actually translated that part of the ship was underwater. So, again, it's the same. Well, and kind of the point is, is it's the same Greek word that we read as baptized translated in the scriptures. Right. But in all of these other writings, they're translating it as being completely they're submerged They're translating the actual water. verbiage yeah. over, right, yeah. which they did every—well, I shouldn't say everywhere, but going back to the sing example, yeah. they didn't just take that word over and make it an English word. Right. So that kind of, I would say, makes it a little confusing for people because they can say, well, how do you know that it means this? Well, right. that's when you go back and look at the usage at that time that it was written. Right. And I've seen— uh, I've seen a clip of a very well-known, he has passed away, passed away some time ago, a very well-known denominational preacher, a clip of one of his lessons where he was talking about, I believe, the Ethiopian eunuch. 
and I'm sure we'll look at that here in a little bit, but he was saying that the eunuch was baptized, and in essence what he had come up with is you can be baptized by whatever mode your denomination ascribes to, whether that be pouring or sprinkling or whatever the case may be. But when we look at the original word and we look at what it meant and the understanding of what was being said that they would have had in the first century when they were reading it. Absolutely. It's right. completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, yeah, and that's... And I think you... you um, I, read an, I was reading an article in Spiritual Sword, and he talked about how uh, J.W. McGarvey said, when you look at the word baptism, you look at it in the context, which we've said all along, right? And you look at all these verses that refer to it, and you can get to the point to where you you should come to the conclusion that it was an immersion. Right. Um, I think about, you know, John chapter 3, verse 23. It says John was baptizing near uh, Salim, and why was that? Because it said there was much water, much water. or plentiful water. Yeah. Why is that important? Why would they throw that in there, do you think, if that wasn't... If it wasn't necessary to put them under, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and there's, like you said, there's a lot of, a lot of examples and instances uh, like that where they are being fully immersed and there's as you pointed out there's evidence to point to that uh john's a great example of that i know i mentioned a moment ago uh, in acts chapter 8 with the ethiopian eunuch whenever philip was preaching uh to him as it says let me find the verse verse 36 uh the eunuch said to philip and as they were going along on the road they came to some water they came to some water and said see here is water what prevents me from being baptized And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Mm -hmm. If it were just sprinkling or pouring or whatever was an acceptable mode, there would have been no need really for them to even stop because him traveling from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, they would have probably had drinking water, drinking water somewhere in their caravan, however large it may have been, and he could have just gotten a little scoop of it and poured it out or done whatever. Exactly. But that's not what they did. And you look at you we talked about John and when when John baptized Jesus, it says there in uh, Mark chapter 1 verses 9 and 10, in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Again, they were right. in the water. It doesn't to me. It doesn't make sense. Why would you get eighty percent of your body wet if you're just gonna right s- sprinkle right. right? So I think it's it's an immersion, and um, I don't think we need to go any further. I mean, it's immersion, right? right? You can't yeah. you can't get around it. Yeah, and you you saying that if I would have kept reading in Acts chapter eight, it says the same thing about the eunuch and when they came up out of the water. So again, that idea they both went down into the water. He was baptized, which that word is baptizo, which means to immerse, and then they came up out of the water. Right. Just like with Christ, when he came out of the water, which implies that he, he was, was under, under it. it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, number one, I think we could agree that yeah. it's the mode is immersion, right. right? The other thing is it's kind of a symbol. And right. we, you and I were talking about this before. It's it's a sim- symbol that we see in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. Um it's a symbol of Christ's death, his burial, and then coming out is the resurrection as a new man, right? And we're, we're going to cover that a lot more in the next yeah. episode. But 
that's what it that's one of the roles it plays is that it is a symbol of Christ's death and burial. And when you bury somebody, what do you do? Yeah. Completely cover them, them right? right? So Right. I and you saying that reminded me on in a Facebook group that I'm a part of, I, I don't remember exactly which one it was, but somebody posed the question of if somebody was being baptized and their leg or whatever came up and their foot came out of the water, their leg came out of the water, and so at no point they were really completely immersed mm-hmm. with that person's baptism be valid. And I commented and I made basically the exact same point that you had made, and I said, if you were to bury somebody, would you leave, leave their, their legs sticking out? up out yeah. of the ground? Yeah. And, of course, the answer to that is no, because <laughs> baptism is a burial. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's to be... And, you know, someone would yeah. say, well, they didn't bury, like Jesus wasn't buried, but he was He was put into a tomb. He was, he was completely engulfed, enclosed. Yeah. Right, in the yeah. earth. So um, whether we're talking about the way we bury people or the way that they did, to me, you're still right. totally surrounded. You're in, encapsulated in earth, right? Right. Um, and that's a great point. Would you leave their foot hanging out? Yeah, and that's interesting. Um, but I think it's it, it it gets to the point of where it's it's not just something we do. There's meaning behind it, right? It's mm-hmm. it it puts us in that relationship. And like I said, I don't want to get too far ahead into to part two, but um, it puts us into that relationship, and and it's something we take serious. And that that's the other thing is it is also for certain people. And right. what I mean by that is I'm not saying that it's that only Ren and Ryan yeah. can take a part right. of it, but what I mean by it is when we see in the in the New Testament, it's always people that believed. Right. You know, it's it's someone who has heard and has made the decision, do I believe this message? Do I believe this message that there was a, a man that was sent from God who was God on earth that died for mm-hmm. me? But death couldn't hold him. Do I believe that? Right. You know, and I and and also I look at um, Luke chapter fourteen, twenty five and following. That's where he talks about the cost of discipleship. And he, you know, he goes into the example of who builds a tower without counting the cost, mm-hmm. and who goes to battle without considering can I really defeat the enemy? His point is, you can't be my disciple unless you truly understand the commitment you are making right and that's where that also has to come into play yeah and um you know you know this about me and i think some people know this about me but i was what i would use the term rebaptized. i was baptized at a later age than i originally was um my grandpa baptized me nothing wrong with that um i was not quite 10 at the time and um but thinking through the years I'm like, did I really fully understand? Mm-hmm. Did did I believe Jesus was the Son of God? Absolutely. Right. Did I believe He died and was resurrected? Absolutely. Yeah. But did I fully understand the commitment I was making at that point in time? Yeah. And did I fully understand sin and in and what it involved? Right. right. So later in life, I don't man, I don't know how many years ago it was now, but Terry, uh, we did it on New Year's Eve. I think it was New Year's Eve of it would have been New Year's of 2007. I think so, but because of that commitment thing, right? right? I didn't fully understand it. And, you know, I remember Terry saying, well, if you need it, great. If you don't, you're right. just, yeah. we're just being, yeah. you know, better, I'd say better safe than sorry, but if I'm not confident in it... You don't it, have to doubt it I don't anymore. have to doubt yeah. it, exactly. And that was part of the, the verbiage he used is right. you don't have to question anymore. Right. So, And I had, I think I've told 
you this before, yeah. and I may have mentioned it in a lesson uh, here before, but I had a similar experience because I was initially baptized when I was 13. And, you know, looking back on it, I couldn't, you know, say for certain if I really understood what I was doing or if I just had the answers to the questions memorized. And so I gave the right answers, but I wasn't sure if the comprehension and understanding, like you were pointing out, was there. And so I called my dad up, and I was talking to him about it, and he said basically the same thing. He's like, well, we can do it again, and mm-hmm. then you don't have Remove to question the, about yeah. it. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to worry about it. And so we called him. We were living in Alabama. They drove over that night, two hours. He came, he baptized me, and then they went back home that night just so that we didn't have to didn't have to question it because, like you're pointing out, that understanding what baptism is, not only the mode of baptism, but understanding what it does and what happens when we are baptized and what it means is so important. It's a it's a crucial aspect of of baptism. Right. And I think the other thing is when you say it's believers, and some people I've heard the argument, well, you know, because there are denominations that teach right. infant baptism, and right. that's going on the train of total depravity mm-hmm. or born into sin. Yeah. And, and you know, why would Jesus tell me that I need to be like one of these children before I can, you know? Right. It's, he's talking about the innocence of a child. Yeah. And um, you can't—you look in Acts, and it's always the believers, and some people inevitably go, well, look at Lydia's household and the jailer's household. Well, but it also says they heard. And, and right. they, you know, based on other examples in Acts, they had to believe. Right. And they, they're, they're not of that age to make that decision. Yeah. And I would even say there's a, there's a magic number, but it's different for everybody. Right. And that's why, you know, I don't, I don't pick an age because some people could be younger, more mature, really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. But then there are some that, that aren't. And, and right. it's a personal decision, but I think it's important to, to really understand because it's a commitment. Right. And I think you saying that reminds me, I think that is something a, well, it's a point that Paul makes, I believe it's in, I guess it was, yeah, Romans 7 and verse 9. And personally, what I think he's talking about here is what we're talking about, that understanding, that age, what we would call age of accountability. Right. Where he says, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. Paul was never, he's not saying he was physically alive before the law came, but again, what I think he's saying is that when he was a child, before he knew, before he understood what sin was, what the commandments were, what the law of God was, he was alive because he was innocent, like you pointed out with those children. Mm -hmm. But whenever the commandment came in that sense of him understanding, knowing right from wrong, understanding what sin was, understanding that he was guilty of it, which I think that's another crucial part of this. That's when he says, sin came alive and I died. So again, having that understanding of it's not just for everybody. It's not for infants. And us talking about the mode of baptism, while I was about to head over here to for us to record, I remembered a video that I saw of a very well-known, I mean, it's probably the largest denomination in the world, where they were having a, I guess, a group kind of baptism where a lot of people were bringing their children to be baptized all at the same time. 
and they were handing their children to this man. He was taking them, turning them upside down, dipping their head in the water, and then handing them back off to the kid or to the parents. And he was, I mean, they were just doing one right after the other, not really any thought. Mm -hmm. And clearly that child had no idea of what was going on and what was happening. What they were doing, right. And so that understanding and knowing why you need to do it, what it is, and what it's for is so important. Yeah, and that remind I was in that same spiritual sword I was reading. It was either Barton W. Stone or Raccoon John John Raccoon John Smith, one of the two. He went. There was a denomination doing a, um, and they, I don't think they mentioned what it was, but they were doing a revival, mm-hmm. and they were in the in the tent meeting, I guess, and they were baptizing an infant, and it was just bawling and a squalling because it had right. no clue. Well, the, whichever preacher it was at the time, I don't, I can't remember which one, but he walked up and he grabbed that that preacher of that denomination and grabbed him by the arm and started walking him down to, I guess there was a riverside. Yeah. And the 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 guy's like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Well, he goes, you're you're forcing that upon someone that doesn't understand. Right. I'm just going to take you down and force you to do it." And yeah. his point was, it has to be a decision, right? right? And you got to understand. And the guy was like, he was all, and he's based on the story. A lot of people in the in under the tent were like, "Wow," you know. And several of them obeyed yeah. because then they they listened to him talk. Um, but I think the the, the thing that worries me is that people that believe in infant baptism or sprinkling they think they're okay right you know and they're grown up and they think oh i'm good you know um and that's really the Mm -hmm. scary part right because there's a there's a lot of people that subscribe to that idea and like we're pointing out here I don't want anybody that's listening to this, whether you're a member of the church or not, to think that we're just trying to give our opinion or our take on it. But when we look at the scriptures, it it again becomes abundantly clear, clear right? not only what <clears throat> baptism is, but as we're discussing, who it's for. Mm-hmm. And it's for those that believe. And when we look at the remainder of the New Testament, when we see, like Christ says in Mark 16, 16, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Hebrews 11 and verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please him. That child does not have the mental capacity or capability of understanding mm-hmm. who God is. Yeah, and what you said there reminded me of something. It's not even age is taken out when someone doesn't have their full mental right, right. capacity, right? So there's that as well. Um, the other thing, it it is also what baptism is, it's from God, you know, um, we talked about John, and and in John chapter, or not John, in Luke chapter three, verses two and three, this talks about the, the the calling of John, and it says, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness, and he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentant repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. Where did he get that idea from? Right. Well, it literally tells me right above that the word of God came to him. Right. So this is not something John made up. Yeah. This is not something that Jesus. Well, Jesus as God, right. you know, did ordain it, I guess. Yeah. But it's not a man devised right. plan either. It it is God given. And mm-hmm. we need to do it as God prescribed it. Right. Um, the other thing is, it is also part of the gospel message. Mm-hmm. And I think when you talked about the Ethiopian eunuch, to me, that's clear. 
Because where would the eunuch even remotely come up with the idea of baptism of baptism? From the Old Testament? Exactly. Right. Because he was studying Isaiah, yeah. and Philip. it said Philip began to teach Jesus from that right. verse that he was talking right. about. Well, how did he get there? It had to be mentioned, yeah. right? Philip so, had to tell him exactly. about it. Exactly. Right. So, because he wouldn't have thought about it any other way because it's not even remotely, remotely talked about in the Old Testament. So, good point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is, I would say, going back to the um, symbol, not only does it represent the death, the burial, but the resurrection piece, mm-hmm. and, and it covers all three aspects of the gospel, right? And Paul right. says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4 and 5, I think, he talks about the gospel I delivered to you, that mm-hmm. Christ should suffer, that he died, that he would raise from right. the dead. So in essence, the baptism covers the gospel in its symbolism, right. which I find interesting as well. Yeah. And it it's, well, as Paul highlights in Romans 6, where I don't know if reenacting is a good word to use, symbolizing, are, yes. doing, yeah. I don't know, representing it in mm-hmm. that, in the, of course, metaphorical sense of the old man being put to death, him being buried in water and being raised up as that new creature, just as Christ was raised up to that newness of life. So, yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure we'll get into that. Oh, probably, more. yeah. So I think from uh, the standpoint of what is baptism, I think we've covered, right. you know, 95. There's probably something we're forgetting. Yeah, but, I'm sure. Um, Anyway, come uh, listen. Episode two, we'll uh, we'll be talking about what is it for. Yeah. You know, what, what is its it purpose? Yeah. So, um, but for now, um, this is what baptism is, and that is the, the conclusion, conclusion of, of the matter. matter.